What do you love? What are you good at? What can you get paid for? And what does the world need, right? That's Kate Roberts, a global social entrepreneur and champion for women's leadership through business, philanthropy, sexual health, and art. If you do that research with your inner self and then figure out the answers to those questions, in my mind, you can always fail, right? But you will come out of it as a much happier, better person with with a full-on learning of who you are, what you've done, and probably what is next because you can't truly learn until you fail. How do you figure out what mashup of skills, interests, and passions will work for you? And how do you bring that mashup to life as a sustainable career? Welcome to Strategic Momentum. This is your host, Connie Steele. I think Kate was living the career of the future years before anyone else. A brilliant mashup of entrepreneur, marketer, speaker, artist, podcaster, documentary producer, and philanthropist that allows Kate to leverage the skills of corporate marketing to drive social impact and positive change in the world. Kate has had a 30-year career of championing women's leadership through non- and for-profit ventures with a focus on women's sexual productive health, sexual wellness, and exponential philanthropy. She co-founded Maverick Collective together with Melinda Gates and the Crown Princess of Norway and more recently founded The Body Agency, a global femtech and e-commerce company and its foundation. Doing the inner work to find out the alignment of what you're good at, what you love, what the world needs, and what you can be paid to do is important and illuminating. But few people are able to articulate how to take that alignment and put it into action in the real world like Kate. Thank you so much, Kate, for being on the show today. It's fantastic to be here, Connie. I would love it if you could share your career journey, as I have all my guests do, and share those important milestones that have led you to where you are today, because I think it's so important for our listeners to really know the person behind the episode, because that's what's so fascinating to understand how they've evolved to be the awesome person that they are today. Well, um, how much time have you got? (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, I am a global social entrepreneur. I have lived my life um, by the seat of my pants, actually, traveling the world, trying different things. Um, and it's, it's going to be hard to summarize this in a, in a quick paragraph, but um, I started off in the marketing world, um, went to work for um, a big advertising agency called Saatchi and Saatchi. Um, that really took me all over the world and gave me the grounding for the work that I do now, which is more in the saving the world category. Um, Whatever you do, whether it's in the private sector or the social sector or the saving the world sector, marketing is the center of everything. Because whether you want to further a a good cause or sell brands or cigarettes or Coca-Cola, and I have done all of that, um marketing is where it's at so i started my career in pr and marketing um and then very quickly realized that i wanted to have much more meaning uh, and purpose in my life and switched over to um champion causes that i really believed in and where i saw gaps um essentially the the sort of little red thread through all of this has always been for me 
women and being a, a female activist and um, looking at issues that I can champion um, that will really change the world for girls and women around the world. So um, with Clip Notes, I um, started in marketing, worked for a, a global advertising agency. Then I founded YouthAid. Um, my aim was to end uh, HIV AIDS and have an HIV free uh, generation uh, around the world, which we will accomplish in my lifetime. Um, that was through an organization called YouthAIDS, which I founded. I then went on to start various organizations around the world. I founded Maverick Collective together with Melinda Gates and the Crown Princess of Norway, which was a global group of female philanthropists um, in partnership with an organization called PSI. Um, where we looked at innovation, you know, to end cervical cancer, to uh, provide contraception around the world, all these big, big issues facing women and having women leaders, women philanthropists really at the innovation stage of uh, getting, the, getting the research and the evidence that we needed to scale those innovations. And then lastly, which is where I am now, I have founded the Body Agency and the Body Agency Collective, which um, is, is a real effort to provide girls and women with the health products and services that they need around the world to thrive. So that's it. In a nutshell, I have a podcast called Sex, Body and Soul. Uh, and I also have a consultancy uh, called Ikigai. So that is my story. Well, it's quite a story because what other people may not be aware of is that you're also an artist, a documentary producer, <laughs> in addition to what I like to call this mashup, amazing mashup entrepreneur. You're obviously a speaker, but you know you see this thread where you shifted from you know the commercial enterprises to humanitarian ones, but new deep down that you wanted to champion those causes that you cared about and have a bigger impact in the world. And that's something obviously that we see being a dominant theme for many in the workforce today. I really see you kind of being that pioneer of really, truly thinking about how do I align those areas that you feel so passionate about that really drive you, that that purpose that you realize I can leverage these amazing transferable skills that you built in marketing to influence others, to to be a change agent for others. It's to me, it's such a great reflection of understanding that it's not just about sort of all these check the box roles that you've had. It is those experiences. It is these, again, that transferable skills and this aptitude and energy to apply all of that to align it to enterprises. Yeah. <laughs> and opportunities. I have a very simple philosophy um in life and that is you have to do something that you are passionate about there is there is nothing worse than you know clocking in at work and watching the clock and thinking okay how do i get through this i never have a day like that because i've chosen to do things that i love and you know often people will say to me god kate i can't possibly imagine how you do all of this how do you run a global charity how do you have a company or various companies, and then you're putting an art show on. Like, how? when do you find the time to, to paint? I mean, the, the, the bottom line is 
I love to create things. I, I love it. it. It fuels me. I love to create effective organizations. I love to create art. I love to do interior design. So for me, you know, owning a couple of houses and designing them and renting them out, I, I just get joy from that because somebody gets to live in a house that I have built and designed and with love and, you know, a couple of them paintings uh, hanging in the houses. Um, I go on a mission trip to India or Saudi Arabia or Africa, and I come back and I create my experience on canvas. So for me, that's just all joy. Like, I love doing it. I love doing it. But to me, what that also highlights is that this multidimensional aspect of you, we're not one dimensional, right? But you know that you love to create. Creation doesn't mean in one particular area. Creation is much more expansive. And that by you being able to create in all different areas, it really lets you be your whole self. And when you can unleash that and reflect all of your talents across these different facets of you, that's what energizes you. That's what gives you the fuel to continue to create potentially in other areas, but it becomes this, you know, cycle of innovation, of creativity, of fuel, because one, I'm sure one area of creation with art, for example, sparks imagination into an area of creation in a business, which then sparks areas of creation for something else. But you are somebody who's been able to bring this combination of roles, experience, interests, skills, hobbies, passions over the years to what you do and how you do it today. So I would love to also hear, again, this amazing career mashup that you've created. How else do you feel it's helped you professionally and personally? And how has it been impactful to others? Well, first of all, the impact to others, um, we measure the impact that we're having with our charitable endeavors. I truly believe in putting the um, the CSR, right, the corporate social responsibility, into the PL. So for me, I wanted to build a business that was heavily driven by the impact that we'll have on people. Um, I, I believe that that's the future of business, right? Like the handouts, the donations, um, you know, it's hard work, right? That's hard work. Philanthropy is hard work, uh, getting people to give for no return, right? you know, having impact in your work while making money is the way forward because that's sustainable. Like, you know, dropping rice sacks from airplanes on runways now to feed the poor is, is you know, that's, that's the 80s, right? Now looking at social enterprise and um, social marketing for good is definitely the way forward. I think a lot of companies have gotten savvy to that as well when they're building their brands companies want to give back in a way that builds their brand and makes them more successful. And I truly believe in that. So that's, that's something that I have contributed to over my career with everything I've done, whether it's youth aids where, you know, we partnered up with Aldo shoes, we raised $5 million through selling dog tags in Aldo stores. Um, all of that money went to um, HIV AIDS prevention and research. And actually we, through that seed funding that we got through that cause-related marketing program, we discovered um, an innovation in HIV prevention, which is male circumcision, basically. If you are circumcised as, as a male adult, you will be 60% less likely to contract HIV. That was a winning, winning innovation 
that really helped us to, you know, put the stake in to say, you know, this is this is one of the biggest HIV prevention tools that we've discovered in our lifetime, right? That took $400,000 worth of seed innovation money to figure that out by starting a, a program in Zambia in a clinic and trying to get men, grown African men, to get circumcised. Everybody thought that we were completely crazy, right? But we did it, we got the evidence, and then we scaled the innovation. It's now a $400 million African-based uh, innovation, which will change the world in the face of HIV. So so for me, um, all of this is very, very exciting, right? This model of testing out innovation on a small scale, getting the results, and then and then scaling it with multiple partners. Um, and so for me, that's, that's sort of one of the bigger things that I brought to the table is this, this new way of doing philanthropy, this new way of testing out impact and, and scaling it with multiple players, right? It takes, <laughs> it takes an absolute village. It takes a world of bringing those actors together, the private sector, civil society, government, celebrity, media, um, and it worked. Well, you've been so successful in being able to integrate mission, passion, profession, business into creating, you know, these roadmaps towards momentum. And it's something in which so many others I know are also looking to do. People who are entering the workforce, who are growing in the workforce, they're trying to achieve sort of that higher order purpose. And, you know, we've seen a shift in how people are looking at their relationship with work and how it fits into their life. You know, they want to find greater fulfillment, reflect their whole self. Well, also working towards making a meaningful change in the world. And it's certainly just more this mindset that we're seeing. So as someone who's been such a pioneer in crafting their own journey, and you've been doing side hustles before it was even a thing and testing and learning to have the level of impact that you're having and ultimately integrating, again, passion, purpose, and mission. Yeah. I would love for you to share, how did you go about achieving that? I think so many want to learn from others like you. And also, what did you learn in the process about yourself and about others? So, um, oh, I have so many thoughts on this. <laughs> First thought that I have is, and you have so many questions in that question. So I'll try. <laughs> the biggest outcome for me in my career is learning that it's people that create change, not money. Or tech, right? Or tech. No, oh, tech actually, tech is very, very important. It's important, but you would say, would you say it's people first? And then obviously tech is the enablement. It's people first. Absolutely. It's it's identifying my special source, my only talent, honestly, Connie, is identifying champions. That is my that is my special source. Like I know a champion when I meet them. And they might not even know that they're a champion, right? But I know that they're a champion. So people create change, not money. Once you have your champions, the money will flow. But it's champions that change the world. And I have spent my entire career looking for those champions. It was a champion at Aldo Shoes. We now have a champion at 
Equinox, right, with the body agency, we're, we're going to be doing an incredible um, uh, yoga for a yoga effort for body next, right? So using that platform to create change that Equinox already has in place, right? So this incredible champion, Judy Taylor um, at Equinox, made that happen because she feels passionate. She feels extremely passionate about changing the world for girls and women. So that is the first thing that I have learned that you follow the people, you don't follow the money. So what else have I learned? The, the other thing that I've learned is, and it goes hand in hand with identifying champions, is everybody needs and wants purpose. And, and that's the ikigai philosophy, right? And if you want true happiness in your life, it's going to be filled with purpose. Now, you can be a purposeful mother, stay-at-home mother, right? You can, you can find your purpose in anything that you're doing. But until you find your purpose, you are not going to be truly happy with your life. Tell us more about how you also found yours because that concept of ikigai, not everybody is familiar with. And I know that has been your Bible that really helped you coalesce what you've wanted to do and what you continue wanting to do or will continue to create into the future. I'm sure there's going to be amazing things that you build two or three years from now that we don't even know. But but that concept of ikigai has been such a grounding force for you. Yeah. Well, first of all, when you're an when you're an entrepreneur, right? Like I am, I'm a social entrepreneur, so a global social entrepreneur. So I I love to do things like travel the world and create beautiful things and start companies and you know I love all that sort of chaos that comes with with that. But I did that for a really long time, you know, building these various organizations that I built. You know, I would go off to Davos and I was very, very lucky to be awarded um, uh, and, and nominated to be a young global leader for the World Economic Forum. And that brought all sorts of incredible opportunities um, for me to be more of an entrepreneur. But the Ikigai philosophy is very interesting. First of all, the word Ikigai means, I've got to get the translation here. It's the Japanese secret to a long and happy life. That's It's a Japanese word and that's what it means, right? Now, if you put the sort of ikigai at the center of everything that you do and you put little bubbles around that ikigai word, right? It's what do you love to do? Like these are the questions you have to ask yourself. Like what do you love to do? I know that I love to create beautiful, meaningful, impactful things, whether that's a beautiful painting of a woman from Tanzania, which is behind me, but you can't really see it. Um, who I, you know, stayed in her house in in a in a impoverished area in Tanzania with the Crown Princess of Norway uh, on one of our mission trips. So, what do you love to do? Um, then it's well, what are you good at? Like, what are you good at? You have to identify. Okay, what are you good at? I'm good at finding champions, whether it's a member of a royal family, a head of a company, um, a, you know, a mom who I'm soccer mom with, you know, with my daughter. Um, wh what can you be paid for, right? Because you've got to sustain your life, right? I have, I have taken this pathway of doing good in the world, and that doesn't tend to pay, right? <laughs> 
you know, you can't get rich on, on being a, a, a global activist, right? So what did I do? Very early on, I started buying up properties. Because in my mind, as, a, as, a, as somebody in my late 20s, I started to think to myself, okay, I'm going down this pathway of global activism. It's not going to be a high earner. I need a side hustle. So I started buying up these properties in Washington, D.C. and built myself a tiny little empire of these properties. And everybody thought I was nuts, right? So I knew that that would be a good, like solid base, that something to fall back on so I could really focus on my activism and changing the world for girls and women. And then the fourth bubble is, what does the world need? Like, what are the gaps? And there's so many, right? There's gun control, there's Black Lives Matter, there's conservation, like the world's falling apart. Um, so I decided that what I needed to do was find my niche of what the world needs and then fill that gap and fill it in a way that's sustainable. So the only true way to build sustainable programs is to have both a company and a nonprofit and merge those two together. So that's the concept of Ikigai. And at the center of it is your purpose, which is, which is happiness and a long, healthy life. And what I realized, and I went through the exercise with myself, of, and I had this fantastic uh, life coach at the time, who really helped me to com uh, to put these in compartments, right? And she said, I want you to choose the four things that make you happy. Um, and I chose health, family, relationships, and creation. Those are the four things that I knew that if I had in my life, I could have a long, happy, fulfilled life. I could have my ikigai. And what I loved in you sharing this is that you focus on what do I want to achieve in my life? What are those important things in my life? Work, what you did as a profession ultimately fit into that. But what we've found traditionally is a lot of people have set work goals. Those goals that have been more centered around money, title, power traditionally, or that's been the definition of success. And life ends up having to conform and fit into it. But by you flipping it, and what we're seeing is a lot of people saying, wait, I need to define the life I want to lead. What does a life success mean for me? Then determining where does the profession ultimately fit I think is is such a core takeaway that I have in how you've been able to find, you know, the alignment and then subsequently the incredible momentum that you've created. And so what I'd love to hear from you is what do you feel are the challenges for many people when it comes to defining what they want to do out of their life and, and all those necessary components to create that it because it's not necessarily easy no it's not so listen i mean somebody listening to this show you know i i make it i probably make it sound very easy <laughs> we all know it's not 
We all know it's not. And of course, you know, I've had my challenges, right? I have been, uh, I've suffered, you know, workplace sexual abuse and I've suffered, you know, fighting my way to the top as a woman. I've, I've, you know, there's all these things that these are barriers, right? These are barriers that you have to overcome. You know, I've had my days where I, you know, I've got a battle going on in the workplace and I'm, you know, rolling my eyes at all the millennials and thinking what, you know, I wasn't like this when I was, you know, 28. Like, what's going on here? Like, there's many, many battles and barriers that you have to overcome. Um, and perhaps I'll, I'll start by by telling a little story of sort of how I eventually got here, right? Like with a startup and my own charity and not having a big organization behind me paying my bills and my health insurance and all the rest of it. That was a big risk, right? The risk of going from that safety blanket to starting your own thing, right? Is uh, It's scary and it's hard and you just have to go for it. And um, my own story was, you know, traveling around the world, doing the work that I've done, uh, you know, with all these powerful people and the network that I've created, um, I started to notice that the common thread um, on all these women that I were that I was meeting, whether they were living on a dollar a day or a thousand dollars a day, is massive gap in their sexual health. Every woman had some form of issue, whether it's I can't get access to the right contraception. Um, I'm in a in a forced marriage. Um, I I'm going through menopause. I don't. I have lost my libido. Um, you know, there was just this common thread of the struggle that women have with their bodies in general. So I thought to myself, okay, that's what I should be. That's my next big thing, right? I'm going to start the body agency. I'm going to talk about sexual wellness. I'm going to remove all the taboos of stigma and and, uh, you know, these ridiculous taboos. I'm going to teach the world about how women's bodies work. Then, of course, you have to go out and raise money to start all of this, whether it's philanthropic capital or it's, you know, your startup costs for a, a, a for-profit. And I had to do both. And there were crickets in the beginning, right, because we're dealing with something which is considered so controversial. But ridiculous if you think about it, because we are half the world. A woman and her body creates life. We make babies. Everyone has sex. Like, why is this so controversial? But from an investor's point of view or a philanthropist's point of view, we can't go near that. So the point is there are challenges, whatever we decide to do. But your question was, how do people go about finding their purpose? Well, I told that story because the penny dropped for me of where the gap was. And it is such a massive gap that needs to be filled. And so I found my purpose. And with that purpose came this massive passion. And when you have passion, you can pretty much talk anybody into doing it, right? Because they want that feeling. They want to be part of that passion and that movement. So I would encourage everybody who is perhaps, you know, sitting at the, you know, nine to five job, watching the clock to, first of all, read the book, Ikigai. It's a, I read it in a day. 
Um, it's really enlightening. And get educated, you know, go on trips, go travel, talk to people. Um, it's always people, ultimately, that come into your life that will help you to find your purpose. Everything is people-driven, everything. So get out there, get educated, and it will land on your lap. You will figure out what your purpose is before it's too late. My parents, um, you know, we have this incredible life. I grew up sailing around the world in my father's ship. He was a captain of a super tanker. And so I was very privileged to have a life that took me all over the world very early on. I spent my 12th birthday in a pyramid in Egypt uh, and, and, you know, the stories that I can tell. Um, but I watched my parents say to each other, you know, we want a holiday home in Spain. And they said it and they said it and they said it and they said it. And they both died without having the holiday home in Spain when they could easily have done it. So life is short. Um, we, we can either have this long, happy, icky guy life, or we can shoulda, coulda, woulda. And so what I conclude too, it's to bridge the gap for ourselves and get unstuck to find that alignment. Some of us just try, <laughs> just take that risk. Obviously assess those things, spot the important trends because it's clear that it's not just, oh, I'm just going to go off and do this. You really understood what was going on and understood what that gap is. And for other opportunities, where the gap was and realize here's an area where you can apply your unique strengths to solving it. And I'd say of those barriers that people have, you know, their challenges, but likely it's fear, but how do you overcome that fear of trying? And I'd love to get your thoughts too on how do you push past that fear where maybe you see all these opportunities, you get excited, but Sometimes it's our own imposter syndrome or this fear of failure, shame, anxiety that can limit us. One of the things is you have to fail a couple of times in your life. Like nobody succeeds absolutely everything that they're doing. And failure is good because you learn from it, right? This is all a learning experience. And, you know, let's get back to the, to the buckets, right? What do you love? What are you good at? What can you get paid for and what does the world need, right? If you do that research in with your inner self and then figure out the answers to those questions, in my mind, you can always fail, right? But you will come out of it as a much happier, better person with, with a full-on learning of who you are, what you've done, and probably what is next, because you can't truly learn until you failed. And I hope that, I really hope that makes sense. And I still, Connie, feel like an imposter. I'm still, I still walk in the room and pinch myself and go, how am I here with all these incredible people? I really do. Um, I remember becoming a young global leader at the World Economic Forum. And uh, the first meeting was at the White House uh, with Condoleezza Rice. Uh, when Bush was president, uh, that shows how long ago. And I walked in and I just thought, I hope people don't know who I really am. That's the thought that I had, right? But then I put my big girl pants on and I was like, I deserve to be here. I've been nominated. And I just started networking around the room and being yourself. Because if you were truly not yourself, you also won't succeed, right? 
people buy into who you really are and everyone will see through a fake or somebody trying to be something they're not. So that's another piece of advice. Just be who you really are. That resonates so much, I think, with me and obviously with all listeners, no matter what podcast you listen to. But in this world where we are all trying to be our authentic self and authenticity is one of those key themes, people realize when you could just be you and not conform to what people may think you need to be, but you have that freedom, flexibility, confidence to just showcase these different elements of you. And those will change over time and that's okay. But to know that to be able to be who you want to be and know that will evolve over time requires you to fail is so key. I think such an important lesson learned and that myth that people have that I can't fail, that I shouldn't feel like an imposter. I shouldn't feel like I'm, I deserve to be there is not uncommon, but it's us needing to push past all of that so that we can feel centered. Yeah. What I will say, I'll give one piece of advice, which has served me really, really well. And that is fail fast and pivot. Like just have words with yourself and go, all right, this is obviously not working. Let's just try it a different way, right? Fail fast, admit, be honest. And that's another thing is transparency. When you've found all these champions, right? Whether they've given you money or invested in you and funded you or have developed a partnership with you, trust is so key. And the first thing you need to do is be honest about those failures because you will lose those champions. They will lose. If, if you say, you know what? I messed up. This is not working. But this is what I think we should be doing. You are much likely to have that champion for life. What I take away as well that's so valuable, right? When you have the open, honest communication, to your point, you build that level of trust. Trust is something that um, obviously is being challenged right now in so many different ways that you build this stronger connection, which gets back to your point of the way to create change is through people. And so it's people who end up fueling you know, that ship that we want to see in the world and creating the impact. So I would love to ask a few more questions of you. And what would you say is your definition of success today? And how has it evolved from when you started your journey? Um, success for me is happiness. It really is. <laughs> it is. I love it. Yeah. I, I don't even want to expand on that because, you know, when I get my happiness from seeing the champions that I have recruited in my life thrive, like that's, that's just what gets my juices flowing. Right. So I build this concept for me and my life around all of these people, which is why relationships is one of my pillars. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of things make me happy. You know, changing changing the face of HIV has made me happy. Um, finding an innovation around um, ending 
cervical cancer or preventing cervical cancer makes me happy. Finding a champion at Equinox and, and pulling off an incredible partnership makes me happy. So, you know, my, my measure of success is happiness. Like the pep in my step every single day. And how would you define the future of work from your point of view? The future of work is is putting the the CSR into the PNL, um, and what I mean by that is finding sustainable solutions for the biggest problems in the world. And what's your definition of the future of life? My definition of the future of life: equity. So equality and equity, and that goes through everything. Right? It's racial equality, it's it's gender equality. Um, the fact that we're still having those conversations about racial equality or, or gender equality is ridiculous. We are one world, right? We all have the same bodies. We all need sleep. We all pee in the morning. Why, Why are we still having these conversations? Um, so that's the future of life is equality. And what's the best work or career advice you've ever received? That no is a full sentence. Oh, <laughs> that is not what I've heard. I love that. <laughs> no, and I think you have to, you know, people dance around no, right? Um, I'm, I'm quick to say no. Can you come and... Can you come to this event? Can you do this? Actually, no. And I don't need to give you an explanation. I am working. I have a work-life balance. I have a daughter. I'm a single mother. I have a, various companies. I have this. I have that. I need to organize my life in a way that gives me that balance. So no is a full sentence. Creating those boundaries is something that's so important for all of us. And we're not always good at that. So I think that's an incredible piece of advice for so many. And finally, what's the best way listeners can connect with you? They can connect with me on um, Instagram. I am kroberts100. Um, Twitter is kroberts100, I think. Uh, and you can go to thebodyagency.com and you can get my contact details um, on that website. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for being on the show, providing such an inspirational, not just story, but perspective on how to find that necessary alignment of your purpose and your passion and understanding that we all need to fail fast and pivot to find what it is that we can deliver and bring to the world such that we're having the impact that we want. Because in the end, to create a future where it's sustainable, <laughs> it's equitable, it creates happiness, I believe is something that everyone wants to achieve. So being able to showcase that it, no matter what it call comes down to people, how you leverage people and champion others is so important. So thank you. And who you have in your life as well. Yes. Yes. And not having toxic ones. 100%. 
that village and, you know, and what we've been researching and what we've wanted to understand when it comes to the future of life, one of the biggest drivers, actually the biggest driver, which you have been such a wonderful example of, it comes to this dimension of planning, which is be clear on what it is that goal that you have is and set that plan forward to achieve it. But what you need are the champions to help you get there. It is those mentors. It is those sponsors. It is that village. So for those who are looking to create that forward movement to achieve success, to find that progress that you want to make, Kate's a great example of those attributes, those examples. So thank you, Kate. Thank you, Connie. This is a wonderful show. Thank you for having me. We all deserve to have a career like Kate's, to see the world change for the better because of what we put into it. And I firmly believe that this is possible when you figure out what lies at the intersection of what you're good at, what you love, what the world needs, and what you can be paid for. Finding your ikigai, approaching your own life like a market researcher, however you want to contextualize the self-audit, this is the first step that I think anyone has to take in creating the career of the future. Because while possibilities and opportunities exist that just never existed before, you literally have to create that career, that impact from nothing. And that's hard. Success is going to look a little different than climbing the corporate ladder and getting a job. Success is probably going to include a few failures. But at the end of the road, there's a life and career custom tailored to you. And I think that's worth the effort. Hi, everyone. Thanks as always for listening. I'm excited to be sharing the news that I just released a brand new personal development tool for people like you. The Work and Career Success Assessment is meant to help passionate workers understand the key levers of success when it comes to their career, identify their professional strengths, and uncover personalized areas for improvement. It's backed by data from my annual State of Work and Career Success Study, and it takes most people less than five minutes to complete. At the end of the assessment, you'll get a numerical score that shows how you stack up against the average American worker and where you should focus your energy to get ahead. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to helping you create the necessary momentum in your work and life so you can continue to build the business of you.